Who did what to the who? Why didn't you say so? I think that I did. Someone left the light on in the bathroom. Is this thing on? This is Big Green. Oh, Joe, it's Pudge Week. the March edition of This is Big Green, our second March ever, maybe our third, I'm not even sure how long has it been, Matt? Been many years. It's our fundraising edition. Pledge now, pledge often. We'll have another episode of Ned Trek. It's over an hour long. <laughs> A special reappearance by Richard Burrell in full erect defense mode. No reason to apologize there. Why would there be everything went swimmingly well? Couple of songs too, God knows. Lots of banter with Matt Barry. Oh, we talk it up and talk it down. Stay tuned. Got nowhere to go. Hello, this is Henry Kissinger. I am here standing in for my good friendly majors. He usually does the intro for this rather strange and low-rated program. Actually, I don't really know the Majors very well, but I was at one time interested in his wife, although she didn't seem to know that I was alive and running the country. When she was married to Lee, her name was Farrah Fawcett Majors, which is interesting, because I understand that Majors was not Lee Majors' real name. No, it was just a Hollywood stage name. His real name escapes me now, but I seem to think it was Polish. Well, all this is neither here nor there. You have tuned in to watch or to listen to another all-new episode of Ned Trek. That is good for you, and I envy your ability to be entertained by something so easily obtainable. Goodbye from me for now, and please don't write me any letters. I am unlikely to prioritize that correspondence. Now here is the show. Animals. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Until we're cancelled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces. To brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. It's a good thing that I don't have anything else to do these days. This hobby of commanding a starship is starting to become more and more like a day job. Shocking, isn't it, sir? A real jolt to your system, I imagine. 
Of course, I'm a born leader, but up till now, I've done most of my leading in the lavatory and via phone calls from the poolside. If you don't mind me saying, Captain, this crew is done done in on account of a string of episodes that required a lot of thinking and worrying and some running. What do you say that we put in for some shore leave on some nice amenable planet? Some place where the rocks aren't painted an unsettling shade of pink. And some place where there's no oversized gas world taking up too much real estate in the sky. And some place where the complexion of the ruling class is not offensive to our sensibilities. You're not talking about the planet Georgia again, are you, Doc? We've taken shore leave there for the last three times in a row. I'm not there for five minutes before some guy dressed like Jeb Stewart is trying to commandeer me for a reenactment of some stupid Civil War battle. Well, I say, I say, I'm partial to assuming the identity of that particular personage myself, my dear horse. Yeah, I know. The trouble is half the participants are dressed like Southern generals and nobody wants to play a Confederate enlisted man, let alone a Yankee. <laughs> you can take it from me. Playing a Yankee can be tough in that crowd. I think I'm the only one who ever pulled it off successfully. I see, I see. A billion dollars can speak good cracker. Captain, why don't we stop to take shore leave on the planet Ozark 5? It's right on our way. That is, if you don't mind passing through the Obamulan neutral zone and the Kelleher radiation void. Oh yeah, and the massacre I sick quasar of certain death. Ozark 5 is a planet completely run by hillbillies, which makes it one of the most budget-friendly classes of planets to visit, especially on 1960s primetime television. Captain Romney, sir, we could actually lay a course to Ozark 5 that wouldn't have us crossing the neutral zone and risking interstellar war or certain destruction from the aforementioned spatial anomalies. And at a slightly accelerated speed, it wouldn't even take us any longer. Mr. Sulu, I can't help noticing that you're consistently war-averse. I mean, did someone force you into a fight with a giant Anatolian wuss chicken when you were small or something? No, I just don't think that starting a war for no good reason is a good policy for a civilized confederation of planets. Lieutenant, there are always good reasons floating around out there. And if not, you can always have some custom made. Like if I want intelligence to be fixed around my latest plans to destroy the clean town homeworld. Kaplawi! The Confederation's neocon supercomputer spits out all kinds of helpful talking points, and even some stuff that will stand up in the galactic high court. After that, it's Kaplawi! And this time for real. It's good quality fake intelligence, too. <laughs> Something that we can all fervently believe in, for years if necessary. Mr. Sulu, set a bold course across the neutral zone and to the planet Ozark 5 and make that course 9513.2208 and a half. Warp factor 4. Uh, Captain, that's not a real course setting. It's just gibberish. Oh, <laughs> darn it all. I, I, I guess just point the ship towards a hillbilly planet and step on it. Um, yes, Captain. Course laid in. Warp factor 6, I guess. Well, I'm going to my ready room to work on my memoirs or something, and hopefully working on a few other things as well. <laughs> Mr. Ned, take the con. Come here, you. What? Where do you want me to take him, Willard? 
<laughs> no, I didn't mean that. You, you can put Mr. Nixon down again. I meant the other con. What do you mean, Pearl? Never mind. I'll stay here. I think I just overflew my flush window anyway. Saved again at the last minute from the Crowbar Hotel. Too bad. I was looking forward to seeing the old gang again. Pigpen, Alfalfa, and the Beaver. It sounds like the Nixon android needs to be serviced again. He can't seem to keep his co-conspirators straight. Don't look at me. Performing the Palomino mind meld is as far as I go with tin ex-presidents. You'll have to get Engineer Welsh to service him. Get him drunk enough and he'd service anything. Ah! Oh. Jesus Christ. Really? Do you think he could fix my toaster oven? <laughs> I used to heat up my morning bowl of mapo and the bucket of caviar that I used to wash up with afterwards. I hate washing up in cold caviar. Nixon is probably still under warranty. Willard, did you ever send in the warranty card to the Maronians? I sure did. I thought of it as my religious duty. <laughs> Serving my lord and making sound business decisions go hand in hand. Somebody put Nixon's head in a box and get some space postage on it. We'll drop it off at the next post box. We'll probably have to wait on that, sir. There are no post office boxes on asteroids anymore, nor does the Confederation Post Office do rural planetary pickups. There are only private carriers now, and they aren't obligated to stop on Ozark 5, or most of the other hillbilly planets for that matter. It's just not profitable for them to do it. Anyway, there's nothing those people can't mail that they can't shout across the trailer park at each other. And... It's not as if they were waiting on their entitlement checks. I mean, we did away with that nonsense centuries ago. Captain, we could put Nixon's head in a box and then throw it out of a space hatch in the general direction of Moronia. Momentum should carry it to its destination in about 30 million years. <laughs> That's a good idea, Science Officer Ned. But I think we might just hold off on that for now. We might actually require the android Nixon's triangulation abilities to make our way through the Kelleher radiation void. Captain, we've entered the Ozorkian system. Do you want me to assume orbit around the fifth planet? What? But we never touched the neutral zone of the radiation void. Captain, I think that the helmsman just pulled a fast one here. <laughs> I agree, Mr. Pearl. That was plenty fast. No, I mean he plotted a different route. You told him to go one way and he deliberately went the other way. It's like insubordination coupled with some kind of dictatorial liberal elitism. May I slap him in irons and throw him in the hole, sir? <laughs> well, those are grounds for court-martial. Hey, we can beam him down to the detention facilities on Ozark 5. The complex is called Grant Tannahole. That'll give us a great excuse to tour those state-of-the-art facilities. At my suggestion, they keep doubling it in size every year. So obviously they need all the evildoers they can get down there. Of course, with Mr. Sulu rendered to Grand Tannahole, we'll need a new helmsman. Won't we, Mr. Pearl? What? Me drive this thing? That's, that's worse than manning the science station. Exactly. Mr. Pearl would be an outstanding helmsman. With him turning the knobs, we're sure to drive ourselves into war after war after war. This Confederate flagship would be perpetually covered in the debris of glory. Oh, say, can you see? Through the perilous fight. You crackers would last about two minutes. Captain, I think I was a little hasty back there. I think Mr. Sulu did plot the course that you had ordered. He just, however, uh, activated the uh, Borkian device that is uh, that was invented by uh, 
ultra-advanced blimpoid scientists and recovered by our own counterintelligence people. The device is used to project a false image on the main viewing scanner of cruiser-class starships, and it therefore keeps crewmen of low rank and low security clearance ignorant of the actual course that a starship takes, which is, of course, classified. Oh, brother. Wow, that was a great device, and I see that it works like a charm. It looks to me like we've been just traveling through the normal stars and stripes of space. <laughs> Good work, Mr. Sulu. And sorry if we got your hopes up back there. I'm sure that you are just as eager to be in Grand Tannahall as we were to tour it. Still, on the bright side, there are crimes against the Empire taking place every day on a ship this large. I'm sure we can come up with someone that we can throw into that hole of living heck. Uh, thanks, I guess, sir. Captain, we've entered into orbit around Ozark 5. That's swell. Willard, we have Governor Gomert on the line. Do you want to take this, sir? Sure. <laughs> Louie, 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 Louie. <laughs> It'll be good to hear his conservative rustic cadence once again. Patch me in, Mr. Ned. Governor, this is Captain Willard Metilius Romney of the Starship Free Enterprise. We wish permission to orbit your planet and exercise shore leave privileges. You say you want to exercise? Well, shoot. What in the universe are you saying? Perhaps, Governor, seeing as though your planet is a member of the Confederation and, as such, is signatory to our single-page charter, we expect that you'll be able to extend to us the privilege of shore leave and the opportunity to partake of your Ozarkian hospitality. You say you want to charter a house? Well, you must be plum-tuckered, huh? Welcome, Captain Romney and crew. Welcome to the finest old-timey country planet and these here stars. You're almost welcome to come down here for your shore leave, and that's a fact. Just to be sure, for aliens and colors in your crew, they'll need to provide birth certificates and other government identification papers, as well as pertinent college records and transcripts. For all the normal white folks, it'll be helpful if they'd include all the essays that they've ever written on white supremacy. If all that's in order, then you can just come on down. Well, heck, you can stay in my house. Great. We'll beam down all the requested documentation to your National Anti-Socialist Party headquarters. We'll also round up a few criminal types and anyone with low ears to put into your Grand Tannahole prison complex. I know you need all the help you can get filling that facility. Not to mention that he needs to justify keeping his 400 cousins employed as prison guards. Oh yeah, that reminds me. I forgot to tell you something. Oh shoot, I forgot again. But hey, I'm sure I'll remember when you're down here. Hell, we'll be heating up some cheesy grits for you, Ronnie. We all know how you love those little yellow things. Okay, so that's settled. Mr. Ned, tell the crew to be prepared to have the best shore leave they've ever had. Oh no, this is bound to be Mayberry all over again. And now we're going to have to stay with Governor Goober. Request permission to stay on board, Captain Willard, so I can um, monitor magnetic communication satellites or something. You'll believe me, don't you? Sure I do, Mr. Ned. You can remain on board and start rounding up some criminal types. Mr. Pearl, Doc Coburn, you're with me. Aye, aye, Captain. Well, that was a close one.
Oh my god, oh my god, Ozark 5 has been destroyed. Just look at this place. It looks like someone took those buildings and dropped them off the side of a cliff. And look at the roads. What kind of bombs do that much damage? <laughs> now who would do such a thing? I mean, this planet is in disputed space, and Governor Gomert's colony is settled on land that is claimed by some so-called indigenous race. But the Confederation has never recognized those claims. I see, I see, Captain. Why don't we just close up our eyes, count to a hundred, and then open them up again? And then maybe this here nightmare will be over. I guess the entire Ozark colony has been vaporized. And we can assume that the prison complex was vaporized too. <laughs> it's such a tragic waste. Although, I think that many of the Grand Hole prisoners were actually scheduled to be vaporized next week. <laughs> Talk about cheating the hangman. Yeah, but wait a minute. We just talked to Governor Gomert minutes ago. Could that have been a recorded distress call? Maybe it was an attempt to lure us down to the planet by tantalizing us with real honest-to-goodness hick talk. That's a sure way to get us. I say, who can resist a man that talks so pretty? Wow, it's incredible. He sounded so real, but I guess he's as dead as his colony's own lost dreams. <laughs> but I wonder if those cheesy grits were real. I admit to being a little on the hungry side. Well, howdy, gents. Sorry I wasn't here sooner, but I couldn't find my pants. Turns out I left them on the still. Careful, Captain. He might be a hologram or some kind of quaint rustic mirage. Heck, I ain't no mirage. I'm as real as they come down here. And I'm also the only one left alive and kicking after that cowardly attack by the race of inhuman, unfeeling, ungodly, unwashed, savage, no-good, confounded, lying, alien, invader scum. Well, if it weren't for the ungodly part, we might have called them friends. I see, I see. In my opinion, Captain, sir... I'd say that this man certainly is no mirage, unless they got themselves the technology to simulate bad breath. But that would make them too advanced for us even to contemplate in our own ever-loving minds. We could always test that theory. You could shoot him with your hand phaser. If he survives, he's most likely a hickified hologram. If he dies, well, then it's possible that he was telling the truth, in which case I'd advise you not to stress that part too heavily in your report to Starfleet's command. I told you I'm real. I'm as real as you and you and you and him and you too, big fella. But there's only three of us besides yourself, Governor Gomert. Who else do you think you're splashing with pronouns? I see, I see. Splashing. That's it, sir, Captain. Mr. Pearl, he said he left his trousers on the still. He's completely soused. You know, pickled, kerdoubled. He's seeing double. Now, what Mirage could possibly do that? Gee, Doc, I'm astonished. You actually came close to making good conventional sense. Looks like you can tuck one accurate diagnosis under your belt. Starfleet's Board of Surgeons are bound to give you some kind of award for this. <laughs> well, Governor, I'm happy you're the genuine article, and I'd like you to know that I'm putting some real effort into appearing sad and concerned for the loss of your colony, and especially for the loss of the Grantanahole Maximum Security Prison Complex. They really did total this place. I've never seen such damage. What kind of weapons do you think they used? Some kind of inverse anti-proton disruptors? Look at what it did to this trailer. Hey, wait a minute. This is the only place on the planet that they didn't hit. And that's my house. I just don't fix it up. Well, I was gonna. <laughs> it looks like perfectly good servant housing to me. 
So, Governor, we have to know what happened. Who attacked you, and why did they do it? Why did they do it? I see, I see, Captain, sir. Can't you see that this man is in a state of horrible shock? His world was just reduced to ashes. His people and money, gone, daddy, gone. His prisoners whisked off into nothing. His whiskey whiskeyed off into oblivion. Actually, I think we've now established where his whiskey went. Doc, can't you give him some kind of shot to sober him up and to, um, make him talk sense? I see, I see. Hasn't he had enough of those shots, sir? Can you just imagine what his liver looks like now? I'd actually rather not picture his liver. Just hypo him, Doc. Hypo him. Governor, who was it that attacked your colony? Was it the Abomulans? Was it the Clean Tan Empire? Or was it some other fiendishly evil or freakishly hideous race that we haven't yet established a long-standing and bitter rivalry with? No, it was the corn. I see, I see. Maybe I could give him a shot of anti-serums horn swaggle delousing cure. A fine patent medicine. And don't worry, it wasn't subject to any tyrannical food and drug administration regulations. It's marketplace pure, and it tastes of liberty. That and turpentine. <laughs> Sounds like just the ticket, Doc. Hold him down and give him a shot of that, too. I don't need no more shots, Doc, except in the one with the moonshine in it. I told you, the aliens that attacked our colony have called the corn. <laughs> well, that sounds ridiculous enough to be true on this show. I'd better warn the free enterprise. Captain Romney to free enterprise. Aye, Captain Willard. Mr. Ned, the colony on Ozark 5 has been destroyed. Except for my house. <laughs> yes, the whole colony has been vaporized, with the notable exception of Governor Gomert's, um, fine residence. He calls the attackers the corn. Do you think that you could do a scan of this system and see if you can locate any suspicious, um, oversized cans of space corn or something like that? We're on it, Willard. Let me also consult the ship's computer to see if the corn is listed in its bank of known interstellar races. I also take it that we'll be canceling shore leave. <laughs> I don't know about that. This might be a rare opportunity for our crew to visit a bunch of radioactive craters. Captain... We seem to be the only ship in orbit around this planet. That is, unless another ship is cloaked or is staying exactly on the opposite side of the planet as we are and exactly matching our angle and speed. But I think we could safely rule that out. Willard, the computer makes reference to a legendary civilization called the Corniacs, which laid claim to 35,000 parsecs of space in this region of the galaxy. The Confederation never met face-to-face -face with any Corniacs, but we did tap into their interplanetary television programming once. It was termed unremarkable and featured some assorted jumbo-sized vegetables making squeaky sounds while seated around a futuristic space table. There was also another program that the computer termed as Corn Spot, which also featured vegetables making squeaky sounds. Mr. Gomert, uh, uh, Governor Gomert, why did you allow the corn ship to enter orbit in the first place? I mean, you're so particular about identification papers and birth certificates and all that stuff. Why did you let down your security screen without the proper verification? Well, we just had the banjo ship come on Thursday, and then the pink ship came by this morning, 
and we were expecting the corn chip any day now. And I mean corn with a C and not with a K. How was I to know that they were corn with a K? I say, Captain, we've got incoming. It's the corn! We'd better get undercover. Where the dickens is Mr. Pearl? I say I reckon he's cowering in Governor Goldmert's outhouse. Hey, that's my conservatory! Uh, Mr. Ned, <laughs> we seem to be under attack down here. Do you think that you could beam us up? That's Mr. Welsh's apartment. You'll have to ask him, Willard. Don't ask him, Captain. He always has some reason why he can't beam us up. The system is always inhibited, or he can't beam up a walnut. Ask someone else to do it, please. As if I don't have enough to do running this ship while you guys are gallivanting around on a hiccified death world. Okay, I'll beam you up. By the way, y'all have to be standing together. We can't beam anyone up that's a hundred feet away from the rest of you cowering in an outhouse pit. I'm not cowering. I'm, um, doing, doing deep knee bends. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Wow, it's good to be home. Thanks, Mr. Ned. Oh, hi, Captain. I'm just happy to oblige the three of you. I see, I see. Three of us? What happened to Governor Gomer? He probably stayed behind to protect his liquor still. Mr. Ned, why didn't Governor Gomer get beamed aboard with the rest of us? It only looked like there were three of you on the transporter room scanner. I just beamed up all the life signs in range. Hey, wait a minute. That's not First Officer Ned. That's Mr. Welsh in a horse suit. What the heck is going on here? <laughs> I guess that Governor Gomer was just a mirage after all. And to think his rustic charm seems so very real. Wow, what an utterly pointless plot twist that is. Captain Willard, this is, um, the other Mr. Ned, the one up on the bridge. We've just been sucker punched by some chicken shit spaceship that was hiding on the opposite side of the planet. Now they've left orbit and are making for deep space. Should I initiate pursuit? You say their spaceship looks like doo-doo? If that's the case, I think we can probably take them. <laughs> Mr. Ned, tell the crew to man their battle stations. Actually, their space vessel looks like a giant cat. They seem to have adopted the jolly green giant design, Captain. <laughs> it's tried and true. It keeps vegetables fresh and just right for your stew. Ah, uh, no, wait a minute. That was Dinty Moore. Are you planning on joining us up here anytime soon, Captain? Or are you just going to stay in the transporter room and compose nonsensical product jingles? Mr. Ned, I can do both. So, Engineer Welsh, who's filling the ass part of your horse soup? It's not Scooter Libby again, is it? Captain's log, star date, um, approximately one week later than my last log entry. <laughs> that would have been about a week ago. Uh, we are pursuing an alien ship that is most likely responsible for the wanton destruction of a Confederate colony on planet Ozark 5. I also found my favorite tie clip today. It was in the top drawer of my wardrobe back in my cabin. That tie clip was given to me by my very own father on the day I became a man. The next day he gave me some other things that I have yet to come upon. I will let you know when they turn up. Captain... We've started to close on the alien ship. We're nearly in firing range. Should I arm the photon torpedoes, sir? 
Sure, Mr. Sulu, get ready to make it blow. Captain, you do realize that as we get within firing range, we also become viable targets for them to engage. Shouldn't we put up our shields, sir? Oh, Captain, if we put up our shields while maintaining interception speed, we won't be able to fire our weapons. Hmm, I guess we have to choose between being unsafe and recklessly belligerent, or safe and ineffectual and only moderately belligerent. That's a hard choice for a severe conservative to make. Captain, I'm frightened. Come up here and sit beside me in the big boy chair, Mr. Pearl. You know, Mr. Pearl, when I was a much younger man, and I became frightened, my father would hire the meanest, ugliest hobo in town to beat the dickens out of my servants. I just want you to know, I never got paid for that job. <laughs> I soon learned that if I kept my nerve, I could continue to count on having a fully functional staff at my disposal, and one that could carry out all of my childish executive orders. I recall that I was on a campaign swing through Michigan at the time. George Romney told me that it would only take a few minutes. I mean, your servants were some swarthy types, probably illegal immigrants. But then again, beating on them did a lot to bolster my image as the law and order candidate. Mr. Sulu, prepare to... I've fallen off my chair, Captain. Captain, it's like someone or something just grabbed us right out of work. We've stopped, sir. Dead in space. Oh my god, oh my god, we're sitting ducks for the corn chip. Someone do a scan. Are they coming to finish us? Quit losing containment in your bowels, Mr. Pearl. The corn chip is in exactly the same predicament that we are in. They just look a little bit more like space trash than we do, seeing as though their ship looks like a big can of corn. I see, I see. The viewing screen is starting to fuzzle up, sir. I think someone or something is trying to make contact with us. Greetings, Earth humans. We are the Saginaws. We transmitted this message 4,000 years ago in order to communicate with you today. Of course, that didn't work, since none of you were around 4,000 years ago to receive the message. So we tried again, just now. And it worked. We hate to meddle in the affairs of other space-faring civilizations, but then again... We refuse to have our space used by militant imperial aliens obsessed with obtaining profits at any cost, and bent on galactic domination. Then the Saginaws have been missing out on some potentially hefty dividends and kickbacks. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Michigan. My dad ran a car company in Saginaw. For us, the piles of cash were always just about the right height back there. Wait a minute. I recognize you. You're that preachy Carl Sagan scientist guy that used to impose your unwanted liberal atheistic science agenda on a godly conservative superpower. You couldn't get your way on Earth, Sagan, so now you found some high and mighty rich space friends, maybe even a cyberzoid version of George Soros, that is prepared to back you and allow you to sit in judgment on business practices of successful private companies in the military. Well, that's a fine how do you do. And by that, I mean that I don't care how you, in fact, do. Oh, yeah. He's the wheelchair guy who writes incomprehensible books about holes. <laughs> Greetings, Mr. Sagan. I'm Willard Metilius Romney of the Confederate Starship Free Enterprise. 
We were in hot pursuit of an alien space vessel that is suspected of destroying one of our Confederate settlements and our premier black site prison facility. Now we were hoping to blow some big holes in their giant can of space corn. Would you like to assist us? Oh my. I think I need to take a futuristic aspirin. I'm afraid that just the mere presence of beings like yourselves is so intensely painful to me. Maybe I'll even take a few more of these space aspirin. Obviously, we have put a stop to your hostilities in our space. Instead, we are going to take the two leaders responsible for this escapade and bring you together on neutral ground, where you can settle your differences by way of mortal combat. You might call it space capades. That is, if you're interested in ratings. Fortunately, I didn't hear that. As I was saying, we are going to allow the captain of your ship and the captain of the corn ship to settle your differences on your own. We abhor violence, but what the heck? We're also keen to teach you a lesson here. So we're going to let the two of you go at it like crazy. Oh, and by the way, the loser of the contest will be thrown into a singularity, along with his unfortunate crew, while the winner and his crew will be allowed to go on his way, only to, by all appearances, by accident, drive into a singularity that's just up the road a ways. I imagine that you have some superstitious belief system or some kind of improbable super-deity that you may wish to consult. We'll give you two Earth time periods known as minutes to wrap that all up, and then we'll be over to whisk your captain away. <laughs> yes, the crew of the Free Enterprise represents many beliefs. I myself wholeheartedly believe in some fantastical things. Don't bother packing a toothbrush, Captain Romney. I imagine that you'll have precious few teeth left after you do battle with the captain of the corn ship. I understand that he's 12 feet tall. This whole thing can confirm the long-held belief that corn is king and captain is crunch. Oh yes, and we left some of the raw materials for weapons scattered about on the planet's surface. If you've got a fragment of ingenuity in your being, you should be able to construct something that would enable you to defeat your huge enemy. But Willard couldn't build a cardboard box, even if the pieces came in a cardboard box. It seems the Sagadaws have ceased transmitting, sir. Thanks, Mr. Sula. I don't think we would have ever noticed that if you didn't say something. Well, this is a radio show. There's a certain amount of narration involved with this format. Captain Willard, did you decide where you want to be buried yet? How about Commodore Cheney's shooting range? There's plenty of room on that deck, and it should be plenty safe for you, considering the condition you'll be in and the condition the Commodore Cheney is in. I see, I see, Captain. This could be a no-win situation for you. If you plant that, Captain Corn, Monsanto may just be up for suing your ass. That is, if the Corn Man is of a genetically modified variety. I think the Captain deserves more of an upbeat assessment of how he will fare. We should be giving him some kind of pre-fight muscle massage, uh, starting with his most vulnerable muscle, his brain. <laughs> I'm really not that concerned. Mr. Ned, if you could brief my personal assistant, my five secretaries, and the twelve yeomen that attend me, inform them that we'll shortly be taking a little trip. Captain Romney's gone. Thanks for screaming in my ear, Mr. Pearl. 
I mean, we did know that he was about to be taken by the Saginaws, probably without warning. Anyway, doesn't it figure? I'm finally in command, and the ship has been turned into a rock. It's being held fast by cocksure science geeks with godlike powers and malevolent socialist intentions. It's like we've run aground in Seattle or something. Arr, did I ever tell thee about the time that me scow was run up on the giant barrier reef on the planet Clamzeller Few? We was besieged by the most hideous whalemen, with three heads each, and each of their heads held a brace of teeth that could whittle your mast off in a sailor's second. Aye, it was few of us that survived the three months of deprivations before a paddlezoid mercenary ship came by and impressed the lot of us into serving their insect king. I could see that we're in for some high-class conversation while we wait to hear about how badly Romney loses this time. Mr. Welsh, when is the last time we sent someone up the warp coil service conduit to record radiation peak levels? Why, never, Mr. Ned, sir. A person would only last five minutes in there, even with a full radiation suit. Perfect job for Mr. Murdoch. A real quick in-and-out kind of thing. Captain's Log, Stardate Unknown. I've arrived on the seemingly deserted planet set, which looks surprisingly similar to the deserted planet set I visited in the last episode, except that the leafless bushes around the beamdown site are orange instead of yellow. Perhaps this could be significant? The Saginaws said that the captain of the other ship would be here as well. I don't see him. Maybe he's parked in the studio's D-lot and is taking him a while to get over here. I guess I'll just wait here and think about myself for a while. I see that my people have brought out my lunch, and it's much appreciated. Looks like they must be serving me in courses, and they are starting with a vegetable dish. A giant ear of corn, it looks to be. (laughs) I say dish, but there have been no china or utensils provided. It's no wonder that this establishment is so hard up for customers. It reminds me of a French restaurant that Anne and I stopped at in Rhodesia. (laughs) They didn't have a clue. Well, I'll be. This alien jumbo corn has a face painted on it. It even has green stalk-like legs and arms, and the corn silk is combed over the top of its head to look like hair. I don't think they could have managed this grade of garnish in Rhodesia. Captain Human, can you understand me? I have a terrible cold today. Holy smokes! They didn't cut this thing properly either. (laughs) It's still squealing. Let us not be enemies. Let us be for peace between our species. Oh, my holy saints. This must be my opponent after all. It sounds like he wants a piece of me. Or he's going to attack me with feces or something. We can be friends. Let us rub ears. He's coming for me. Now for some karate. Hey! Hacha! 
Well, that's about all the moves I know. Is this your traditional form of greeting, Earth human? Let me reciprocate. Hey, I fell right in my checkbook that time. That's lucky. You know, wrestling a giant ear of corn is a little harder than I might have imagined. Its knowledge of karate would seem to equal my own. I guess I should start walking fast into the hills and try to find the weapons that the Saginaws promised would be here. Hopefully this Captain Corn won't follow after me. Wait for me, Earth human. We must continue our communion of peace. Oh dear, he seems to be coming after me. <laughs> you know, ever since I was a kid, I've had a certain revulsion for vegetables. But I have to try to remind myself that this corn captain is intelligent and could quite probably be rendered into many different types of foodstuffs. Wow, just looky here. A pile of discarded bamboo stalks. Well, this place is just a panda bear's dream. First officer's log. Stargate unknown. Her stupid astral clock keeps blinking 12. We keep forgetting to reset that thing. The captain's been whisked off to some unknown alien planet where he's being forced to fight the captain of the alien ship that we've been pursuing. This is all because still yet another set of aliens called the Saginaws are screwing with us. It should be clear to everyone why conservatives don't like aliens and why giving them rights or even acknowledging them leads to a slippery slope. Meanwhile, the Saginaws are holding us here with their advanced, um, holding us down waves. Mr. Dead, the Saginaws are sending us some kind of transmission. I hope they work better than the ones that they put in their cars back in the 70s. Aha! Uh-huh. The automatic transmission in my AMC Pacer really stunk. I'd be, like, going up a hill, and the car wouldn't want to shift into low gear until I got up to the very top, and then it would shift. But by then, it was too late. Mr. Sulu's referring to a subspace radio transmission, Mr. Pearl. Oh, oh yeah, right. Uh, this is the Saginaw's again. It's plain to see that your captain is one of the most talented individuals that we've ever encountered. Our people are not known for their sense of humor, but the antics of your captain has had us rolling around on our futuristic space floors, laughing our advanced asses off. We think that it's only fitting that you be allowed to witness the comic genius that is your captain in action. So, we are supplying you with a live feed from the planet Zerfiz where the battle is already in progress. Wow, is this pay-per-view, or is this just part of your basic package? Sorry, I have to ask, but Starfleet's command is in one of its austerity moods just lately. Well, there would seem to be an outcrop of charcoal here. Well, this place is a backyard barbecue chef's dream. I mean, all he'd have to do would be to get his servants to scoop up some of these briquettes off the ground and throw them under the grill. (laughs) You know, perhaps this planet has something to offer an enterprising entrepreneur after all. I could maybe invest the ship's pension funds in it. That is, if they had any pension funds. (laughs) Hey, and look over there. That looks like Flint. (laughs) You know, my father used to run a car company in Flint. 
Despite the captain's idiotic buffoonery, he cuts a pretty fine figure there up on the big viewing screen. There is something of a Steve Doocy quality about him, I must admit. Apparently the Saginaws weren't kidding. They did leave the raw materials for the captain to build weapons with. Unfortunately, the last thing Willard built from scratch turned out so bad and so hideous that it had to be immediately destroyed. Even our memories of it had to be expunged, or else none of us would ever sleep again. Oh, you're talking about his most recent presidential bid. Yeah, it was a bit of a Frankenstein's monster, minus the monster's useful killing capacity. Chances are he's not going to notice it, but around him on that ledge are the makings of a primitive cannon. There's coal, sulfur, flint, a puddle of urine. Well, not the urine. If he were to somehow pull all that stuff together, he'd be able to take out his opponent as soon as he comes into range, which with that weapon would be about two feet. Maybe he could just blind his enemy with the urine. It would just make him long for death. Or Romney can just chase him around with some crap on a stick. Believe it or not, I used to do some of that when I was young. It worked pretty well. The other kids on the street all ran like hell. Well, I say, it would seem that the captain has gone and figured something out. He's just rushing down the hillside with all kinds of doodads stuffed into a nifty little sack he made out of his shirt. You might be right, Doc, but one thing I learned, never underestimate Willard's ability to screw everything up. Oh my god, what the hell is that? That must be the captain of the courtship. I see, I see. If there was only some way that we could warn our man of the impending calamity that is about to transpire. What is that man of corn doing? He's fussing with something below his belt. Possibly it's his corn man, corny man parts. We should avert our eyes or risk permanent damage to those God-given organs aside. He's obviously building something, and it looks like he's doing it competently. Leave it to Willard to be outclassed by an era corn. I wonder if it's too late to change our bet. What can he be making? Mr. Ned, is that some kind of phaser? Well, normally this is where I'd say something like, How the hell should I know? But the ultra-advanced high-definition of the Saginaw's video feed allows us to zoom in enough to actually see the crude circuitry being cobbled together in his corny hands. And it looks like it's not a weapon at all. It's a translator. A universal translator made by a man of corn. Well, what the hell good is that? I mean, is he going to throw it at Romney? I mean, any primitive rock would have worked just as well. Am I right? I honestly don't know, Mr. Pearl. But one thing is for sure. He's moving in on the captain now. And whatever he's going to do... We've got front row seats for it. I see. It'll be plumb fascinating to see how one of those translator gadgets can carve up a body. Now, let's see. I'll set this bit up here and kind of prop it up with this handy tripod made of sticks. Then I'll add some scoops of the charcoal. Now, where's that flint? <laughs> you know, my father ran a car company in Michigan. Well, that's my communicator beeping. I didn't even know I had it with me. Romney here. Captain, this is your opponent speaking. 
in the interests of galactic peace and the brotherhood of all races. Is this the Saginaw's? <laughs> you know, my father ran a car company in Michigan. Oh, Jesus. He put something together, all right, but it's some kind of grill. You know, that guy gets more tormented every year. It may still be a weapon, Mr. Ned. I mean, you don't know what he's going to put on the grill. I am now descending from the cliff above you, earthling human. I am unarmed and ready to embrace you as a fellow space-traveling being. I can offer you friendliness and sympathy, as is the custom of the Corniac. <laughs> I'm so glad you called. Having a few corn pokes show up now would be just about right. Now, where are my servants with those sirloins? Oh, dear, I don't have my bib on yet. But I did manage to get the fire going. I'm a whiz with a flint. <laughs> you know, my father was the head of a car company in Michigan. <laughs> hey, Mr. Cornpoke, could you grab some of those sheets of aluminum foil from the ridge on your way down? Oh, and look out for that pool of urine. <laughs> it seems like somebody was a little too long away from the amenities. Okay, Earth human. I am only too happy to fulfill your wish. But oh no, my corn foot is slipping. My corn hands can grip well. Well, I see. That corn pone fella fell speck dab on top of Romney's makeshift grill. And now his cells are being blasted from within. He's like some kind of corn-popping popcorn man. If Romney only showed this much ingenuity during his last campaign, he would have become president easily. I would have even considered voting for him. Look, now the captain put on some kind of bib, and it looks like he's settling down to eat the so recently popped corn man. Yeah, I think we could all see that, actually. I thank the Lord Jesus for the meal that I'm about to partake of. I am also grateful to my own foresight, for employing a personal assistant that can make my lunch appear right on time, even when he himself is nowhere to be seen. I guess I'll be justified in ducking him at least a few hours' pay for that. <laughs> now to dig in! Wait a minute, there seems to be some mistake. There's no freshly squeezed butter here. No, no, I won't eat this. Rodolfo, do you hear? You'll have to bring me something else. How about those sirloins? Ah, yes, Rodolfo. <laughs> there you are at last. <laughs> no, please, stop. You're killing us. It's just so darn funny. We, of course, are the Saginaw's, Captain Romney. Are you sure? You look more like my table boy, Rodolfo. Or is it Stefan? No, really, I mean it. Please, please, stop. You have surprised us, Captain. By showing the advanced trait of humor. You are, in fact, absolutely hilarious. Do you know that my colleague, Professor Hawkazoid, even got out of his hover chair for the first time in 5,000 years? He laughed that hard. You were just killing down here, and that's a fact. Hey, does that mean you will allow the free enterprise to go on its way? Why, certainly. It would be the most... 
hilarious thing to do. And what about the corn chip that we were pursuing? If you wish, we can pop them all for you, and we can do it in their own corn oil. <laughs> no, that won't be necessary. What I'd actually like would be some corn chowder right about now. That too, sir. <laughs> would be hilarious. I will now allow you to go back to your ship. And if you ever do pass this way again, say in several thousand years, be sure to stop by. I think we will have just about regained our composure by then. You're gonna scream when he reappears too? What the hell's the matter with you? It was a scream of relief and happiness. Oh yes, and joy, sir. Welcome back, Willard. I guess you actually did well for once in your life. Congratulations and all that. <laughs> well, I'm just happy to be back here where I belong. Oh, and Willard, it turns out that the corn chip wasn't responsible for the destruction of the Ozark Colony or the Grand Tannehill Prison Complex. It was the Confederate ship, the U.S. Fife. They were tasked by the Confederation to carry out the liquidation of prisoners at Grand Tannehill. And, well, they went a little too far. It was also the fife that fired on us. I reckon by mistake. Well, you can't damn them for the gung can you? It looks like the corn ship had responded to the colony's automated distress call. They were on the other side of the planet engaging in rescue operations when we showed up. What do you think of that, Captain? Quite a cock-up, eh? <laughs> well, I guess the Confederation's Imperial right hand doesn't know what the heck its other security state right hand is up to. Mr. Sulu, are you still here? Unfortunately, yes, sir. Please take us to our next assignment, Warp Factor 55. Why not? Splinters already. Why can't you wait on me? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Believe. Believe. Believe Matt's, me. Matt's trying out for Beretta. Why can't you <laughs> wait on me like you wait on a postman? Ow! Believe. my voice before we start, Joe. I know, Jesus. That can't be a good thing. Well, welcome to This is Big Green, and here we are with Matt. Matt Perry. Yes, and I have my Wonderful, famous Beautiful Matt Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Face it, Joe. I'm hideous. Okay. I've always been hideous. 
I can live with it. I'm not like the the handsome Matt Perry, who was the star of Friends. Oh, that's right. There was a Matt Perry that was famous once. Handsome, pretty handsome. And strangely, there was a Joe Perry that's famous. Yes, and he as well. He too was his his musical playing playmanship. Was very handsome. His prowess was legendary. <laughs> his as prowess, Carl, as Carl Palladino might have said, his prowess was legendary. His prowess was grand. It was legendary. <clears throat> oh yes, and to, people used to, to deliver. Did you say it was a Palladino? <laughs> Did you say it was a Palladino? <laughs> so I hope everyone enjoyed the latest episode of Ned Trick. I say it. W- it was long. An odyssey. It, it was kind of long. It was long. It played long. We're we're running long, generally. We give you people so much. We try to give you value, and, and we ask so little. Absolutely nothing. Although this is our pledge drive week. Yes. Um, every year we take a few minutes out of our busy schedule to just ask ask you to come along on this journey with us. Um, this journey of discovery, which you are a part of. And we try to bring it to you as effectively and as efficiently as possible. But we can't do it without your help. So won't you please, please dial 1-800-BIG-GREEN. That's 1-800-BIG-GREEN. There's not enough digits in that, Joe. But what I wanted to say was the fact that a lot of you are probably listening on your way to work. Like I do myself. Uh, nothing I like better than than driving to work and turning on the podcast and yes, listening yes. to to the guys of Big Green. At- that's, that's right, Matt. And the other thing that I like about it is that everything they talk about is so pertinent and up to date. You can tell that they they really just put a lot of work and a lot of thought into every episode. Well, that's right. And like we know in our own daily lives, there's nothing that we get that people do work for when you hire a contractor joe and they come to your house and they put in a new sink for you do you just say thanks is payment to that contractor optional joe no it isn't that's right man and you know when you get up in the morning and you go out first thing in the morning it's cold out because uh, all of us who live in upstate New York, we know how cold it gets, and sometimes it gets very cold in the winter. And when that coal man comes, Joe, to deliver your coal, I mean, let's face it, Joe, you pay the coal man he to He expects come. to be paid, that's right. And when you go out in the morning and you get your morning paper and your cup of coffee, you know, a cup of coffee, it's not free. It's well, not free. You have people, to pay for that cup of coffee, maybe $4. People know me know that I just don't have one cup of coffee in the morning. I have 10 or 12 cups in the morning. That's 40 to $60, Matt. And that's all it would cost. And that's all we're asking for you to, like, hey, talk to yourself and say, I'm tired of being a freeloader. That's right. And it's like this, this pledge drive is like us coming up to you and saying, hey, buddy, can you spare a little money for a cup of coffee? That's pretty much it. And you, would you say no? Would you say no to somebody like Matt, who really looks like he needs a cup of coffee in the morning? <laughs> I need 10 or 12 cups of coffee to get started in the morning, And Joe. that's 40 or $60. But I'm not expecting anyone to just give me that coffee for free. That's right, Matt. So why would you think that you could get this Big Green podcast for free? That's right, Matt. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no one... <laughs> 
No one could possibly get this for free. Yeah, well, let's face it, Joe. We give you the full value of free. Free. F- freedom. It seems like these people think that they're entitled to free big game. Forty-seven <laughs> percent of you. <laughs> I'm going to vote for Big Green no matter what. <laughs> wow, really? 40, that 47% of you. That many. Dependent on Big Green. This is another you feel Big that you're entitled? This is another Big Day, to Joe. To music, to jokes. This is the biggest day ever, Joe. Oh, why? It's the birthday, Joe. Oh. It's the birthday episode. It's the birthday That's of right. the universe. That was on my list. You it's had the that on your list? Yeah. It's the birthday sure of, of William list? Shatner. Oh, it is? Yeah. <laughs> it's William that. Shatner's birthday. Wait, what's he, like, 85 Eight, or he's, something? He's, I think he's 82. Oh, 82. Okay, it's getting younger. Yes. I'm 82 years old. <laughs> I'm 35 years old. <laughs> I'm 34. No, that's right. He was yes. 30. He was saying I'm he was 34, 34 years old. <laughs> well, let's see. He was and 30. his mind is as sharp as it ever was. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's the universe's birthday, Joe. I just decided that the universe deserves a birthday. Oh. Uh, apparently some scientist figured out that the universe is actually like something like 83 million years older than they thought it was. How they... That's not the birthday song, Joe. Yeah, but we can't sing the birthday song because then we'll get our asses sued because the people who own the birthday song are very litigious. Oh, Jesus I'm not kidding. Anyway, I'm not back kidding. to the birthday of the universe. Happy birthday, universe! Happy birthday to you! For the time of birthday, beautiful. That was beautiful. I hope the universe will forgive us. Now, so how old is the universe, Joe? Well, they added 800 million years. No, they, I think 80 million. Is it 800? I thought it was 800. Well, I think I wrote it down. Yeah, no, you may be right. right. No, you're right. 80 million. Jesus, I'm you're sorry. always wrong, Joe. Well, I was only off by one digit. Podcast in, no, 80 million years. So now the Look, universe... So I added a zero. The universe, t- as of today, is 13.81 billion years. That's billion old. with a B. Yeah, billion with a freaking B. So happy birthday, universe. It's the happy birthday universe. Happy birthday to you. Mind if we call you Uni? Let's <laughs> just call him Uni. <laughs> happy birthday, Uni. We thought his uh, his Milky Way was getting a little gray. <laughs> now, what do, yes. what do you get a universe that has everything, Joe? <laughs> for a world For a world that's everything And for a lord that's everywhere Yeah, so anyway So this is a birthday podcast It's also our pledge drive podcast And it's also uh, what are, Do you have the phones? Yes plugged you, in, Joe? Oh, yeah um, Have we got yes. any phone calls yet? No Well, I guess it's a podcast So you might be getting them after after we post the episode. Oh, there's a phone now. That's not a phone. That's it's you tinkling on the keyboard. Can't you hold it? Hello? Oh. Oh. They hung up on me. That was the wrong number. 
Wrong number. So, Joe, what's new today in your well, world? Well, Matt, um, it's been a mi- it's been a very busy stretch of weeks since our last podcast. I yeah, think. as usual. Yes, extremely busy. As I said, um, birthday of William Shatner today. Yeah, that's that's a biggie. Um, he's he's he yeah. is, is Kirak. He is Kirak. Kirak, the Kirk, the creator. <laughs> the sterilization procedure against this <laughs> ship was not necessary. <laughs> oh God damn it, Joe! We can't go five minutes without you are the Kirk delving too far into the. I know the track, the trash, <laughs> star trash. Yes, t- star trash. Um. Aww. So what? He's making reference to his cats on the screensaver. Yes, I have a screensaver. I admit. Okay, Joe. What yes? were you going to say before? What? Uh, what other pertinent bits? Well, well, there were some prominent deaths. Uh, this past. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Not that again. Oh well, I'm not going to dwell on it. Okay. So what's what's done is death. done. Well, of course... Uh, we lost Hugo Chavez. Yes, he was the one I was going to say, too. Now yes. I'm completely out of ammunition. Hugo Chavez. Yes. Uh, much excoriated. Yeah, that's on for NPR. sure. <laughs> I was going to bring some of that up, yeah. too, actually. I heard one report. I feel like bringing it up. I think it was... Uh, one Ferraro? Was it one yeah, Ferraro? I think it may have been him. <laughs> I was going to say... I was going to say it was, like, sleazy... Inchscape or whatever his name is, Inch Creep. Yeah, but I'm, it wasn't. I've, it I've was. Taken it to, was one of the correspondents. I've taken to calling them Empire News instead of NPR News because they, they just like everything is. Yes, I know. It's just like they had a delightful story about hydrofracking too, in which they they talked to they talked to landowners who could stand to lose money, Joe. Yeah, if they're what not allowed to poison the crap out of the rest of us. Yeah. Those people stay in Hollywood. I wish they'd just stay in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm um, not from Hollywood. <laughs> Do I have to stay in are Hollywood? Are you talking too? about the Lennons who live in New York State? Yeah, and they have a farm <laughs> upstate. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, but um, maybe they're talking about that um, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo, who I guess probably is from California. But I mean, I uh, think being plural about one man is... Uh, yeah, that's a little, little bit of an exaggeration. Anyway, yeah. Well, back to back to um, Hugo Chavez. So, yeah, on NPR, I heard that that piece in which they they mentioned. Well, the guy says that he led the listeners to believe that he took power in a coup in his piece because he said. And, a, and he mounted a coup, and then he skips right to when he's right. he's president. It's right. like, excuse me, but that was an unsuccessful coup, and then years later he ran for president yeah. and it was, was an, elected? It was an un- unsuccessful coup <laughs> against a very oppressive government. And then years later he was elected president. That's like, God. And then he was overthrown briefly in a coup supported, supported by, by us and practically, in practically other, every other European country. And... Wherever European country and was restored within two days. Luckily, <laughs> yeah. And then they're kind of like, "Oh, he always hated him. He was anti-American." Well, it's they, we did overthrow. Yeah, I, I wonder we why we did help overthrow would, him. I wonder why he would be that way. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's not like they've ever interfered. And besides, in- he wasn't outrageously anti-American. As a matter of fact, he helped with the uh, with um, oil subsidies. To yeah, and they always sold oil to, to the United States. I mean, they, we still imported billions. Of, uh, you know, I billions I heard it. I didn't hear this oil. firsthand, but I heard a report from Fair on on their show Counterspin, in which they were talking about an AP report about chavez and it was absolutely hilarious i mean they were saying and and hugo chavez squandered his oil wealth uh, on things like um programs on for the food poor and health care <laughs> <laughs> exactly instead of doing what other oil rich countries like dubai right. did Dubai has the tallest building in the world. Yeah, I heard that. I heard it's that, like, yeah. What? Yeah, they talked about that on Democracy Now. Yeah. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, they talked about it briefly. Um, yeah, because, I mean, they were all channeling their inner Romney. It was basically the same exact attitude yep. about, well, he spent money on poor people. He helped them organize. He, he, he built, you know, a, a health care system for them, you know. There was a reason why they voted for him. It wasn't because it wasn't because he told them to. It's because they got some benefit out of him. For the first time in in the history, in the modern history of Venezuela, no one has helped them ever. Well, (laughs) obviously, you know, he had a bit of a cult of the personality thing going. Yeah, he had he had definitely had. And he was, a, you know, he was from the military. Yeah, he had slightly dictatorial tendencies, but he was he was a. but he was good news if you were a poor if you're a poor person in, <clears throat> in Venezuela. Um, Venezuela, you were definitely better off under him. <clears throat> certainly better off than you were under our allies in either Peru or in Colombia, which they never talk about. I've heard Juan Ferraro report on Colombia never mention human rights once. I heard an entire long report yeah, no. from he Colombia. Sucks. He sucks and blows. Yeah. But I mean, I thought was physically impossible. (laughs) Apparently not. Chavez. So you know, I was sorry to see it. I was sorry to see him go. But yeah, hopefully they'll manage to keep the revolution alive. It's going to be a struggle. It'll be a struggle because they've got you know, they've got the the old guard is never far, and the old guard used to own. The vast majority of the um, of the media outlets in the country, um, which is why they they always bring up the fact that well he established his own you know network and was like blathering on all the time on on his channel, but that was because <laughs> every every major channel was owned by yeah, no, people like who having, who were like having, allied with the coup. It's like having that all these him. Fox News channels, or right? Now, how long would that last in a country here with, if they overthrew the government? If they were, like, on the side of people who overthrew the government? They'd be uh, boiled in oil! It's... Anyway. So, Chavez died this month. Uh, Chinua Chubby died today. Oh, yeah, he's the Things Fall Apart guy. Yeah, Nigerian writer. Yeah. He was living in Boston, I guess. His teaching 
but he, what he wrote about Joe was depressing. <laughs> it was just simply depressing. It's like he had something against colonialism. That's right. What's the matter with him? Yeah, I mean, you had that book ages ago. I remember seeing that book in your. Yeah, he actually he he wrote a book that anticipated the the military takeover in 1965 or 66. Well, when did he wrote that book in the 50s? Didn't he? He wrote Things Fall Apart in, yeah, it was like the early 60s, I think. Okay. He wrote a series of books, one of them. Um, he was like a man of the people, I think it was called. It was it kind of actually anticipated <laughs> events that happened like the very next year in Nigeria. It was pretty remarkable. He was he was a good writer. He will be missed. Indeed. Indeed. Reappearances, Matt. Many famous reappearances this month. Really? Yes. Like Richard Pearl. I hadn't oh, seen him yeah. since you know since back in the days. He's, well, the, the Wild are, and Willie are days. Are you saying that you're seeing him someplace else besides his new television show with Mitt Romney? And well, certainly he's on Ned Trick. Mr. Ned. Six he's, or seven. He's one of my favorite characters <laughs> yeah he's he's a beautiful man joe he puts in a wonderful performance i gotta admit yeah he's a beautiful man um and it was great to see him again on television he's still wrong way peach fuzz yeah they all kind of came out of the woodwork this week for the 10th anniversary <laughs> heard some pretty hilarious defenses of the iraq war <laughs> over the last week it's, it's i'm i'm not sure what kind of crack they're all smoking but there is well, it seems that everything went swimmingly well. Oh, and I heard one yesterday. It was they do it again, of course. The one I heard, no, well, maybe it was today. I heard some um, Republican operative talking about, or somebody who used to advise Cheney, and he was saying, <laughs> "Well, you know, it was the fault of the rest of the world for not stepping up. You know, I could have we, you know." And helping the Iraqis take well, advantage of the democracy that we had brought them. <laughs> so as a, let, let me get this straight. It was everyone else's fault that it was a catastrophe. Yes, we bombed them into democracy and yes. they didn't notice. Yes. They just did they just forgot to pick up the pieces of democracy, Joe. That's right. They forgot to pick up the depleted democracy democracy that was spread all around. That's right. <laughs> sure their heads were ripped off. But the head is only about Fifteen percent of the body. Your head weighs the rest 10 of to you. Twelve pounds. <laughs> it only weighs ten to twelve pounds. The rest of you were, would be living in democracy. Once they pull out the shards of depleted uranium, 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 uranium on drugs, uranium on war. <laughs> it was a screaming success. It was a great success. Yes. Well, from their standpoint, look at them. They all did very well. I know. Well, we got to wrote a bunch of books, and and they're still on television. And what could be better than that? Well, I actually agree with George W. Bush on this point. Um, accountability is important. I remember in the 2000 campaign, he used to say, "Criminals have to understand that there are consequences." Yeah, well, that's why he was he was arguing in favor of the death penalty at that time, but. I think he's right. I think, you know, unless you hold them accountable, then uh, well, presidents and... <laughs> we're not going to look backwards, Joe. That's right. 
We don't want to look backwards, Joe. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, words, you know, anyone who's accused of a crime, if you're that's a, what an you American say. war criminal, you've got nothing to worry about. That's right. Because they live forever. We won't see you in the Hague. No. We've got the inoculation. That's why I'm a bit... I've always been cynical about the Hague, just because, you know, the, the first time I see a powerful nation in there... <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's on, right. At I know. the dock... No, it's always then third I'll believe world. that there's something like yeah. international justice, but until then, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's always third world. Yeah, it's always people who either we don't like, yeah. or you know, and they may be they may deserve. It's like wow, they finally brought that guy to justice, that African guy who's yeah. responsible for the deaths of thousands. Right. It's yeah. like well, whatever. Hey, we've got a few guys lying around here. So what, yeah. Hey, Hank Kissinger's still alive. Yeah, that's Slobodan Milosevic. He's finally <laughs> been brought to justice. It's like, yeah, no, it seems to me that McNamara seemed to be able to die in his bed. Yeah, they're all they're all writing books and, you know, dying peaceful deaths. And I'm sure Don Rumsfeld and Richard Burrell will all... They're all still on television. I know. I mean, it's worse than getting away. It's like they're still like... They're still on network television bragging about their crimes. <laughs> I mean, and actually, I mean, Cheney has gone so far as to admit to war crimes on television yeah, no, no. <laughs> because he's so confident yeah, no, that nothing so, will ever happen to him. He's right. Nothing will. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Nothing will. Because it's, we have... The system is rigged. Yeah. We have no justice. No justice, no peace. And the world has no justice. That's literally no justice, no peace, because until there's you know, justice Jeff? for them... There will be no peace. I blame Lincoln. I totally blame Lincoln. I totally blame Lincoln, Joe. I blame my gardener, Lincoln. I've been blaming Lincoln every day this week for everything. Well, Matt, you know. Well, Joe. Lincoln's got no kin today. The Lincoln name is dead. Got to find some DNA. Got to dig up Lincoln's head. Lincoln had a rare disease. Turned him into a chimpanzee. Now they didn't have the know-how. Didn't have a cure in those days. of Abraham Lincoln. This is the truth. I was troubled by emancipation. Them, their slaves. So offered up my sword to the Confederacy at large. And here I am. I was a rib in the guise of a union colonel. But all those Lincoln, too. And then I ordered 
to escape my shame I wandered into outer space And here I am Dynamite baked in a pie For my little cousin Zachary Finally hoping that I won't receive Payment in kind from all of these Northern band partisans of the cause That brought me faith I was a linger, babe, every king Their bad name Dueling Dillons Dueling Dueling Dillons (laughs) do Dueling Daring do Anyway, what uh, what music should we play today? <laughs> I think we've just done it. <laughs> you call <Yeah>. that music? <laughs> no. Sadly, no. It's not what it used to be. Yeah. Never yeah. was it. <laughs> never was she ain't what it used, used to be. Yeah. So what song should we play, Joe, for the podcast well, let's, people? Why don't, we, uh, why don't we play a little... Uh, Open the vault. A little number... Yeah. Let's let's play another one of those um those demos that we played. Yeah, okay. This month. I guess we were when we're busy producing horse shows, we don't have time <laughs> and mixing cowboy albums. Or producing horse <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, um Yes, we've been <laughs> we've been mixing horse shows and producing cow dung. <laughs> Something like that. Cow dung. Horse Boys and Cow Dung. That's our new country album. <laughs> Horse Boys and Cowboys. <laughs> okay. Um, this is called... Uh, these are a few of my favorite things. These are a few of my favorite <laughs> These are a few of my favorite the squads and <laughs> the squads and bombers, yes. missiles and napalm. Okay, kids. Anywho, this so song, what's in the vault, Joe? Well, we have a demo of your song, "Come Back Home." Okay, that's a weird one. Come back home. Not sure what he was trying to do with that, but we'll go with it. I know what he was trying to do. <laughs> okay, here it goes. A one yes. and a two and a three, four, five. Boom. Three, four, one, two, three, four. Thank you. 
Oh. That was awesome. That was thicker. That was thicker and nicer. You know, Matt, when I hear music like that, I think, how much would you pay to listen to that song? Joe. If we're on commercial radio. If that was on a commercial station, Joe, it'd be flanked by commercial after commercial. Would you pay $5? Would you pay $10? Just Maybe think- you'd pay $20. You don't have to hear those commercials. You know why? Because you're hearing it on the Big Green Podcast. That's right. And the- we're commercial free all night long. We're commercial free and we're free to you listeners, but... We ask you to put the value on what we're producing here. That's right. Just ask yourself, how much is this worth to me, this service that they provide? Joe, maybe this would be a good time to talk about the different pledge levels. Well, we have our Marvin, my personal robot assistant level. That's that's only $5 a month. And what would the good folks get for that? Well, for that, they would get a signed picture of Marvin, my personal robot assistant. Wow, signed. You can't even get that in a store. No, sir, and he can't sign his name. Oh, well, that's right. He, he's a mechanical machine. That's right, so we have to help him. How do you help him, Joe? I move his hand around, and I write the word Marvin with a crayon. <laughs> oh, you may laugh. And are there any other plans? <laughs> yes. When you go up to $10 a month, the man-sized tuber level... You receive a free copy of of our first album. It's called Two Thousand Years to Christmas, signed personally by the man sized tuber. Ah. And remember to eat your vegetables. Make sure you eat your vegetables. He says he likes eating vegetables. <laughs> he enjoys He enjoys eating vegetables. Uh, just, just send us frickin' money, okay? Pain. I'm wearing a cardboard belt. <laughs> yes, we're wearing cardboard belts. Help us! Yeah, we pretend Help to be us. cowboys, we pretend to be horses for you. <laughs> what else do we have to do? <laughs> we pretend to be washed up ex-murdering politicians. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did hear somebody on a PBS <laughs> fundraiser say something like, let's face it, if you're, you're not paying for the service, you're freeloaders. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, you know what? They were serious. They just didn't say that once. <laughs> I know, that's sad. That's, that's pretty common. It's very sad. <laughs> Let's face it. You're a freeloader, Mr. Flintstone. You're a freeloader, Mr. Flintstone. Frint- Mr. Flintstone? Mr. Flintstone. <laughs> What's the Flintstone? La, 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 la. So it's the birthday party for the universe. The universe is 13 million. I mean 13 billion. Well, 13 billion years. That's a long time. That's a lot of birthdays. Even if you only celebrate it. Oh my god, we're getting a call. Maybe we should keep going with this song, Joe. Keep calling out there. <laughs> it's a call from Lincoln. Some raving Lincoln? Raise a Lincoln. Raise a Lincoln? Raise a Lincoln. It's a Mix a Newton. They're going to raise. 
<laughs> They're raising up Lincoln from the dead, Joe. Raising up Lincoln uh, from the dead. Raising him up and gonna put him in charge of the country again. What if Lincoln were here? I think you'd be a little shocked, Joe, and surprised. What if he saw his union? What would he think? So, Joe. Yes. Do you have anything else written on that little piece of paper there? <laughs> that was most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, it's not a very big piece of paper. I'm sorry, people. Let's play another song. Okay. One of yours this time, hopefully. Okay. Uh, this is a song called Good Old Boys Roundup. It's, uh, this is another one of those demos. This is a song that we were, we meant to produce for the International House album, and we just never got around to it. Yeah. Most terrible. Dark. Some of our darkest days. Dark. 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 Barber. Dark. Barber. This is somewhat relevant today because of it's, well, yes, it's yeah, roly. You could you could see. Okay, a one and a two and a one and a two and a three and a four. Go.
Oh, that was awesome. That, that was splendiferous. Splendiferous. Splendiliactic differous. Whatever that means. <laughs> splendiliactic differous. <laughs> yes, I was going sounds, to say the same thing. Sounds like a sounds like a planet, Joe. A planet. Yes. I come from the planet Splendiliactic Differous. So do you have any stories, Joe? Anything? I to, uh, Not much happened this month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Anything let me see. vaguely what's, amusing. What's relevant? What's relevant to the listening audience? We don't have audience? to make this podcast very long because we had a, a nearly hour-long horse show. So <laughs> Nearly hour-long horse shit. So we could actually start wrapping it up soon. Yes, we should wrap it up like a little present. But were you going to recount something? I I don't want to put the kaputs on that. Yeah, I don't really have anything pithy <laughs> that could be recounted in a matter of. I did hear minutes. a funny conversation, and it was like I forgot to bring it up on last month's show, and oh. I probably can't remember it well enough to bring it up in we'll any do try. detail this time. But. Uh, well, Joe, I had to go to the seed store. You know, I live in a relatively rural area. <laughs> and I work at a farm, Joe. And so occasionally I have to go into the seed store. Yeah, and, I heard about this. You did? About you going to the seed store, yeah. Well, okay, what happened? Not then? the story. We'll let you tell Not story. the story, just about the fact that you go to seed stores, yes. Seed stores, Joe. So I went to the seed store. Yes. There <laughs> were a bunch of guys in there, kind of, you know, farming rural men in there. Oh, just like yeah. the usual guys that I see. And they were having a conversation, Joe. They were, oh, no. They were, uh, they were deep in a philosophical conversation. <laughs> no, I wouldn't call it philosophical. <laughs> no, they were talking about their... They were talking about guns? how... Yeah. They, they were talking about guns? They were, they were talking about the government and how... Government is going to come and and take their guns and yep and uh, how they they uh, know that there's a little chip that the government puts in their licenses uh, their driver's license that they can track them so they think there's a GPS chip in yeah their license yeah they were talking about the GPS chip in their license wow so that that's they, just one step away from the chip in my brain they know the governor is going to come and take their guns. So yeah. that's how come that they, they won't have a cell. Oh, yeah, also a cell phone. They wouldn't have a – several of the guys said they, they wouldn't have a cell phone because the, then the government would know where they were. Yeah. And I thought, well, I know where they are. I mean, they're at the seed store. <laughs> I know. I see them right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these guys aren't too hard to find. Well, they haven't done anything yet. <laughs> All I could think of is – I mean, they probably go from their house – to the seed store, and then to their house again. I mean, it's pretty much what I do. They stop at the so, tavern. <laughs> so, I mean, I would think if they had a cell phone, phone, or if they, you know, if the chip in their license probably wouldn't help, turn them in. Wouldn't yeah. help the governor too much. The traitor chip. Yeah, but that's that's what Obama is doing too. Yes, he's gonna. 
Us, he's got us all looking over our shoulders. But I think, you know, a lot of people, when they think about New York State, think, you know, how amazingly liberal New York State is. But as soon as you go into a, a rural area, it might as well be Kentucky. Oh, yeah. It's this this place is, is very rural. I mean, you start seeing no Obama signs yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably not quite as bad as rural Kentucky, but. Well, just read the newspaper. I mean, if you they they publish comments like web comments, oh, responses to oh stories, dear. and they take a little sampling of those and they put them on the editorial page, and most of them are are pretty reactionary. Um, plus, people are they actually allow people to maintain their anonymity, even though they know who the people are, but they publish under like a username. They do yeah, they publish under usernames, so it's. So you don't know who the person is. I so mean, at least when you write a letter to the thing. editor, they don't put your like they don't put your phone number and your your address in there, but they say your name and where you live, you know, and it's what what town yeah, you live so, in. So you don't, you know. Yeah, so that it's you're not just anonymously throwing yeah. bombs at people. Yeah, Whereas <laughs> these comments are like, you know, Ken 47, <laughs> you know, at Hotmail. Our assemblyman is fat. Our assemblyman is fat. Is fat and stupid. Totally stupid. Well, so my seed story was kind. Seed store story was kind of boring. Sorry about that. But that's the best I have. That is the best. I've got some other stories, but you know, I I thought about talking about how how strange the birder community is. But I think I might save that for another podcast. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea. They're very strange and amusing. Indeed. So I think that we should probably go. We should probably wait, play one more song, but I'm not sure what it should be. Oh, really? This will be the third one. No. Well, this would be the third one. Yes. Like the third man. Yes. Okay. Well, t- oh, that's right. We talked about maybe playing... The, the Gravy Man, right? Well, we're going to try try to play Gravy Man, yes. Okay, well, we're going to play a song called Gravy Man. No, it's Milkman. Oh, we're going to play a song named Milkman. I think it's going to be Milkman. It might not be Milkman, because we're going to have to <laughs> listen to it. And if it sounds like it's missing too many... Chromosomes? Chromosomes, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. we'll pull it, it and, be so and we'll put in some wooden balls. <laughs> Wooden balls with string. Yes. So I'll let that play us out. Okay. That works. That makes sense. So, um, good night. Thanks. Have a good month. And if you do... Um, April should be fantastic. If you do want to, you know, make a contribution, please call 1-800. Now go to www-big-green.net and click on donate <laughs> you should think about if you can find donate on if there. all you kids out there could donate your parents money just go into the purses yes. go you know into those the green coupons that they have in there? Yeah. pull out as many of the green coupons you could find <laughs> and mail it directly to us we're pulling a soupy sales yes. we're gonna okay. sell some soup too yes okay kids have a good month Enjoy An this. Enjoyable. Enjoy month. the song, whatever the hell it turns out to be. With nobody in it. A month with nobody in it. It's time for us to go. Time for us to go. <laughs> <laughs>
Gotta go. Give it to me.
and Green brought to you by uh, so many generous listeners that called us during this fundraising drive. Thanks to you, we've raised over five million dollars. Quadruple. If you want to give to the podcast, just forget about it. Listen for free. You can go to big-green.net. Care all about us. Follow me on Twitter at, at Big Green Joe. And uh, visit us on Facebook. And I don't know. Say hello. However you can. Big Green.